Is there a silver lining to this coronavirus? Is there any positive to all of this pain that we're going through? Well, I want to suggest there is. And I want to suggest that the positive we're going to get out of this is going to be in the area of mental health. That that our psyche and our our way of living life is going to dramatically change. And because of that change, we're going to be more connected and less depressed and less anxious. Because this whole thing is going to give us a huge wake-up call to what we're all missing in our lives, which is deep and intimate connections. So if you want to hear more, stick around. Hey, I'm Brett, your favorite shrink, and uh, I am a psychotherapist and the executive director for a nonprofit, The Gathering of Good People. The Gathering is dedicated to helping you grow emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. And today, we're recording another episode in our series called Anxious. Anxious, it's all about the anxiety and how to deal with our fears, particularly now with the coronavirus or COVID-19. So let me take you back a hundred years to kind of set the stage for this problem. A hundred years ago, mental health was just not the issue that it is today. Over the last hundred years, our mental health as a society and a world and a culture has just gotten worse, which makes no sense. If you think about it, it it just doesn't add up. Over the last hundred years, our lives have gotten astronomically better. I don't even know the right word. Exponentially better. How's that? We, we, We have washing machines. We have computers. We have TVs. We have, we have entertainment. We have resources. We have microwaves. We have, we have refrigerators. We have stoves. We have indoor toilets. We have clothes. We have material possessions. We have everything we could ever want. But it doesn't matter. Because the more we add, the more mentally unhealthy we become. Life expectancy has gone up. Medical care has gotten a ton better. There's not an area, income, finances, there's not an area of your life that isn't a hundred, a thousand times better than what it was for people a hundred years ago. But yet, depression, anxiety, suicide, all kinds of addictions are soaring. Why? Well, some of you may be thinking it's just awareness. We're more aware. We're more aware of mental health than people were 100 years ago. And that's true. And you know why that's true? 
because they didn't have mental health problems a hundred years ago. They did. They did have people going into the hospitals for um, psychiatric issues, for sure. And they even, over the last 50 years, have been developing um, medications to treat depression, anxiety, addictions, all kinds of things. But none of it's helping. And it's not just this fact that we're aware. Because if we look at the hard data, if we look at, you know, any, any measurement for mental health, we can see a rise. Probably 60 years ago now, my mom had a nervous breakdown. She found out she was pregnant with twins. I don't think she was really keen about being a mom in the first place. So having twins, boom, sent her over the edge. And she lost it and ended up in a psychiatric hospital where they loaded her, doped her up with all kinds of uh, psychiatric medications, which in today's standards kind of make me cringe. But we had people going into psychiatric hospitals. We had even medications, but it was rare. It was rare that people took them. The majority of the population didn't take antidepressants. But today, that's not the case. At least the half, half the population take an antidepressant or have somewhere in their lifetimes. We have more people going into psychiatric hospitals than ever before. We have more people dying of suicide than ever before. Sad, 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 but true. In many areas, death by suicide is the number one killer, particularly for young kids, 10 to 17 years old. It used to be in the old days that accidents were the number one cause of death for children. Car accidents, um, drownings, fires, things like that. But today, suicide. Suicide, what? So any, any measure you want to give me has gone up over the last 100 years and particularly over the last 10 we are getting more and more depressed, which again doesn't make any sense because there's more and more treatments. There's more and more resources than ever before, but it doesn't matter. It's not helping. The reason why I think it's not helping is because I, I think we're focused in the wrong place. See, back in the 1800s, um, uh, a medical doctor, Herr Dr. Sigmund Freud, forgive my bad German accent, started to notice that there were some weird medical conditions. We call them now conversion disorders, where people would go blind spontaneously. People would lose their arms spontaneously. Uh, not lose their arms, but lose the ability to move their arms. Um, they couldn't walk. All kinds of weird things would happen to people. And, and as he treated them, um, by looking at their past, by looking at their feelings and emotions, by, by helping them analyze psychoanalysis, um, what was going on for them emotionally, they got better. And there was born the field of psychology. And because 
Dr. Freud was a, a medical doctor, right? We started to see psychiatric illnesses as a medical problem. And because we're diagnosing it as a medical problem, then we have to figure out a medical reason for these problems. So we started coming up with theories. And these theories were really invented by drug companies. The biggest theory is that your brain is chemically imbalanced, and that's why you're anxious and depressed and going through whatever disorders you're having. The answer, pills, medications. Well, there are very, very, very few studies that even slightly show an advantage over an antidepressant over a placebo. And, and it's, what's interesting is that over the last decade or so, our placebo effect, the ability of our mind to heal ourselves, has improved. And if we had to run a lot of those uh, early studies that we did, like on Prozac and such, they wouldn't have passed. There's very little evidence that shows the problem is that you lack serotonin or dopamine or norepinephrine or any other neurotransmitter in your brain. That doesn't seem to really hold up because there's a, every kind of um, medication in the world that, that treats all these different neurotransmitters. And yet we all seem to get better. You know, I can increase your dopamine, I can increase your serotonin, I can increase your norepinephrine, I can increase all these different things. And because we believe we're going to get better, we believe in the power of medications, we get better. But we don't really know what we're doing. There's, there's no measurements. There's no way to, to measure somebody's serotonin level and go, oh, your serotonin level is at, at 25 and it should be at 30 or whatever it is. None of that exists. It's just all theory. And a way to make money for the pharmacies. I want to propose a different reason. You're depressed and anxious. A lot of us are right now because of the COVID-19. And, and I want to suggest that maybe the real reason why we're depressed and anxious right now is not because all of a sudden, within the last two weeks, three weeks, all of our brain chemistry just went whack. Because it didn't. But maybe the reason why we're all depressed and anxious right now is because we're socially isolated. And maybe that's been the problem all along. To quote West Side Story, which is one of my favorite musicals in all the world, maybe what we have is a social disease. <laughs> if you've seen West Side Story, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but I think that, you know, in seriousness, I think that's what's really going on. Look what's happened over the last hundred years in our culture and our society. Everything's gotten better except one. One thing has not gotten better in our lives. We have become more socially isolated over the last hundred years and particularly over the last 10. hundred years ago, we lived in small communities, tight-knit communities where you know, pretty much everybody in town would go to the same church and we would all shop at the same market. And we, you know, we all interacted with each other. We knew each other by name and we knew each other's struggles. We knew each other's lives because we were all intimately connected 
to one another. Well, over the last hundred years, we've kind of lost that connection. More and more people have been trending to large cities where we become isolated and anonymous. And then what's happened over the last 10 years, 20 years? Well, the internet, smartphones. We, we, start, to, we start to use technology to communicate with one another, talk to one another, interact with one another. And all the personal part of that is gone. Well, people are social creatures. People live, should live in herds and communities. That's how we were built. That's how we're designed. If you want to punish somebody in, in in our social culture, you isolate them. You put them in solitary confinement or you exile, exile them to another country or, or out of the city. That's the worst form of punishment because we are social creatures. And so I don't think it's a quinky dink that as our society has been breaking down in terms of intimate connections with one another. First, there's the onset of TV, well, probably radio, then TV, and then internet, computers. As we start to break down and get more and more interacting with screens and not with real people, we see a spike. We see a spike in depression and anxiety and every other addiction and mental illness out there. Because it is the problem of people needing people. Now, here's the silver lining. My hope is that as we come out of this social distancing, that it's a major wake-up call. It's a hello, what have I been doing? What have I been up to? This, this is not what I want. I need people. My hope is that we come out of this awake to our need to socially connect with people, to touch to talk, to talk in intimate ways, not, hi, how are you? Hey, check out my cute little picture. But, but to really interact with each other and share our true feelings. I'm scared. I'm hurt. I'm lonely. I'm lost. Because that's where connection is found. That's where life is found. And I want to leave you with a resource. I want to share with you a, a way to do that. A couple things. One, I talked about earlier, our nonprofit, The Gathering of Good People. TheGatheringOfGoodPeople.com is our website where we're trying to build community and create community. And one of the ways we're building community is we have an event that we're hosting, which is an anxiety support group particularly for COVID-19. And, and you can find that on our, our Facebook group page or our Facebook page in general, The Gathering of Good People. And there we're going to have a weekly support group every Sunday at 11 o'clock. That's mountain time. We're going to be meeting and creating real relationships and talking about real things or real feelings. And we're going to give you some real answers, not only in strategies that you can use to help yourself 
calm and deal with anxiety, but give you some real answers in terms of creating connections. Because that's really what I think this is all about. And I think that's what we're really missing. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to go. Go to thegatheringofgoodpeople.com. Join our, our community there. Be a part of our Facebook pages, the group and the page itself. And attend our events. So you can begin to start connecting as well. Again, thank you for listening. Please make any comments you'd like. Comments always boost, you know, our status in terms of recognition and helps get the word out there. So please make comments, share your opinions, agree or disagree. I don't really care much. And make requests. Let us know what you'd like to hear about here on Anxious, the podcast. Thanks again. I'm Brett your favorite shrink. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care.